Well, it's official tonight. Cal Fire has concluded that PG&E is responsible for causing the deadliest fire in California history. Other news, PG&E's new plan to prevent wildfires could impact thousands of people in areas not prone to wildfires. I'm Damian Bulwa, today on 5th and Mission, covering PG&E's wildfire crisis. In the past two years, a series of catastrophic fires have put intense pressure on the utility company. It filed for bankruptcy and is planning to do preemptive outages this year. Energy reporter J.D. Morris is our guest. He joined the Chronicle days after the campfire broke out last November in Butte County. PG&E has been blamed for that fire, and their response ever since has dominated his beat. In this episode, he and business editor Owen Thomas take you inside how they've covered this story. We'll be right back. Here's J.D. Morris talking to business editor Owen Thomas. J.D., not the usual assignment for an energy reporter to cover, and I'm quoting from one of your recent stories, a bankrupt felon. Yep. But that is what Pacific Gas and Electric Company is, according to the legal authorities. And uh, Northern California's largest utility, one of the key companies on your beat, is in just so many kinds of trouble. Where do we start? Well, bankruptcy court and also district court where they were convicted of multiple felonies arising from the San Bruno pipeline explosion in 2010, which at the time, I wasn't covering this beat back then, but I'm sure that felt like one of the worst things. The Existential company. crisis. How does a company recover? Right. Or how, how could it get worse than this? Exactly. And then, of course, the wine country fires in 2017, which I experienced working up in Santa Rosa at the time, that certainly seemed to be a huge problem for PG&E. And when you and I talked about me you know, coming here and starting this job, um, that was sort of the big thing facing PG&E, right? And I think uh, we rightly thought that there was going to continue to be a lot of fallout from that, but neither of us could have predicted that literally the week before I started at the Chronicle, on my last day, at, one of my last days at my last job, the campfire started. And shortly after that started, that it became clear that PG&E likely had some sort of role in that because they said that one of their Transmission towers malfunctioned uh, just before the fire started, right in the area where CAL FIRE said it began. And so from day one, on November 12th, I think it was, it's just been nonstop PG&E coverage. And less than three months after the fire, they went into bankruptcy court. So I think that that is certainly... I would say right now, kind of the primary venue where a lot of the big questions facing them are playing out. But also that district court that I referenced earlier is a pretty big deal um, because the federal judge there, William Alsop, um, he's overseeing the company's probation arising from the San Bruno convictions. And it was – I feel like it was a couple weeks after the fire started. Maybe in November was when he started asking them – whether their role in these recent fires uh, amounted to a probation violation. And he's had a lot of hearings. They've been a lot, a lot of filings. It's been pretty dramatic. Um, he ended up you know, modifying the terms of their probation and making it a requirement that PG&E has to comply with this 
state-mandated uh, wildfire prevention plan it's putting together or else it will risk violating it, being in violation of its probation again. And he said mm-hmm. that they violated it for the way that they reported their involvement in a totally different fire. Um, so that was an issue for them as well. They're going to have to go to Paradise to tour it. The, the board of directors. That. Yep, the board and like senior leaders. I think the CEO will be the new CEO will be there too, um, but I'm not totally sure yet. Um, also, gosh, there's so many different venues. So there's an SE, there's a Securities and Exchange Commission investigation into their like wildfire related accounting practices. We don't know how that's going to play out. In Butte County, the district attorney there is considering criminal charges because of the campfire. That could be very serious for them. The California Public Utilities Commission is looking at, um, you know, restructuring options for them. What they're asking whether PG&E should have to change up um, the way that it's set up because of the fires and a lot of other problems. They've should it got, be? Should it be a publicly? Uh, should it be an investor-owned utility? Should it be? publicly owned, a municipal utility, yeah. should they break up the gas and electric operations? Right. These are all questions being raised, Big right? questions. And the legislature is looking at a number of things as well. Uh, Governor Newsom put together what he called a strike force and came. they came out and said that, um, you know, the legislature should look at a variety of different things to change up this whole – the way that California handles utilities, wildfire liabilities – they put out a number of recommendations. As of now, it's not totally clear what the legislature wants to do. So we'll see what happens there. So this has been an enormously busy beat. Um, uh, JD, you were working on your birthday recently. Uh, mm-hmm. What was that day like? So I came in uh, on my birthday um, expecting to write one PG&E story. Bill Johnson, the new CEO, was scheduled to testify in the legislature. Um, it was an oversight hearing. Uh, you know, it, I thought it was going to be pretty straightforward. New CEO, you know, comes out. He gets asked a number of questions, maybe grilled a little bit by the lawmakers. He'll probably say something interesting. I wasn't expecting it to be too intense. Um, But shortly before that, I found out um, that the governor was uh, making an interesting filing in the bankruptcy case, basically uh, trying to make PG&E move faster than it wanted to with coming up with a reorganization plan, which is something that it has to do in bankruptcy. PG&E wanted more time to do that. Newsom wanted the court to give them less time to make them go faster. So I wrote that story, um, got that out of the way. Then this hearing, <laughs> uh, and then that was right before uh, the CEO was about to start speaking, and I I finished it like literally right before that hearing began. He starts speaking, and then um, you know I, I make a habit of even when I'm doing things like that, every once in a while, just like clicking one tab over to look at my email really quickly, or like I'll have the the um, video on one screen and my email on another or something like that, trying not to miss anything, right? So I just happened to do that maybe like a minute or two after he started talking and I saw right at the top of my inbox, (laughs) Cal Fire determines the cause of the campfire and my heart just, I I, I couldn't believe that that was happening. I think I was at your, standing at your desk 
Yeah, with or you, you were when, like walking behind me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or and maybe I just, you called me over or you just exclaimed yes, and I walked I, over. I took off my headphones and I just like shouted it out. You know, we knew that this was yeah. going to come out. We All signs were pointing that it was going to be PG&E. We knew almost exact, exactly which transmission tower caused it. And there was – Cal Fire was looking at a, a second start. Um, but it's still it's – still, it's big news. It's, it's big confirmation. Deal. Yes, yes. And that was exactly what they said. Um, but that was just – it was like sensory overload when that happened because this I, – I could not believe that one arm of the state government would put out an announcement like that at the very moment that a different arm of the state government was like having the CEO um, talking. You know, I, I actually we called have- Cal Fire later and I asked them. I was like – did, did you know that the CEO of PG&E was testifying in the legislature at the moment that you put this out? And they s- told me no and sounded like actually genuinely surprised that they said it was a freak coincidence, which um, is uh, surprising. But that's what they say happened. And yeah, I, I, I screamed out loud at one point because I just like could not. It was like too many inputs, you know. And uh, yet, but we scrambled. And we put something were, together. We got you, it. I, I would say, you know, after that moment, you were pretty calm, cool, and collected. You were Im- instantly tweeting the news. And yeah. I would say, listeners, if you are not following JD on Twitter, at the JD Morris, you are really missing out because he is great at keeping readers on top of the news. So you were right in that instant, like tweeting out a screenshot of the Cal Fire announcement, telling readers, and while you were talking to me about how to coordinate, people often wonder what happens in the newsroom when, you know, when news like that breaks out. Well, I'm talking to the reporter, in this case, UJD. Um, I'm immediately walking over to my colleagues in um, what we call the Metro Desk, which cover which covers local, uh, local and state news. Um, and getting getting some more resources, getting some help. So we got um, a colleague, Matthias Gaffney, who's done a lot of uh, fire coverage as part of his beat, um, to help out with the with the herring. Uh, I'm talking. Yeah, to, I stopped. I stopped watching and listening to that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you know, a lot of what I do as an editor is kind of point resources at the right stories. Um, and it was, you know, it was. I remember it was just a good feeling that day. I, I felt bad for you because, you know, I just knew all these things that were landing on your plate. Um, and I was kind of resolved to do what I could to lighten your load, get more resources on it, and um, make sure we we did a really good job for readers. And uh, I think you were on two um, front page stories the next day, at least two. Uh, one, yeah. I think yeah. the other ones were put inside. But yeah, yeah, it was three stories that I did, you know, or – had the main or a major role in putting together that day. Um, and that's not work, been the only, that's not been news. the, yeah. that's not been the only day you've had multiple bylines on this beat. The funny thing is when we were talking about the beat, it was kind of like, well, you know, PG&E, the, you know, the wine country fires, uh, that's going to go on. Fire season is, seems to be coming, coming to a close this year. So maybe that's going to get a little, um, you know, that beat is going to get a little lighter. Maybe, you know, there are solar startups, there's Tesla. I think a lot of that has gone by the wayside. But you have yeah. found time to write about uh, other topics. Can you tell the listeners a bit about uh, the um, the startup you wrote about recently that's looking into uh, the problems of climate change from a from a different lens? Oh, what time? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that was a story I did uh, very recently. They... Um, are 
hoping to track carbon emissions from every major power plant worldwide using satellites and artificial intelligence um, technology. So it was good to be able to step away from PG&E momentarily um, and put together something like that. But definitely PG&E has remained um, at the forefront of what I'm doing here and uh, will continue to do so for a long time going forward. You know, they're a major company. They're headquartered here in San Francisco. They employ uh, like 24,000 people and serve 16 million people um, in northern and central California. So I think we feel an obligation to make that, um, you know, the top priority for me. And it's wild because even then, even with me devoting most of my time, I would say 80 to 90 plus percent of my reporting energy on PG&E, I still can't do every PG&E story. There's, are, there are too many of them. I'm only one person. There are only so many hours in the day. And I have to prioritize the things that are the most important and try to execute on um, enterprise ideas, you know, the ideas that we come up with in the newsroom um, of our own accord and the things that we decide to look into versus, you know, just finding out about something happening in the world. Um, and those things take time. Um, so that's that's been a very interesting experience for me um, and it's kind of overwhelming the, at times, to be honest. Finding that balance. Yeah. It's, it's a tough balance to strike. One thing that you've been really good at raising the alarm on is that PG&E has said that with the new wildfire prevention plan, they could shut down power to any part of their territory. Anyone. And, you know, they, they said that um, in uh, in the wake of the campfire, which was caused by – a transmission line. Transmission lines were not part of the original power shutdown plan. High voltage, yeah. Yeah. 115,000 volts and higher. But um, but I don't think people really digested until you put it, you know, put it out there that that could mean San Francisco, that could mean San Jose, that could mean any, you know, any part of the Bay Area, any part of Northern California that they serve. Yeah. I think some people and even some others in the media, to be honest, got um, a bit confused with some of the numbers out there because PG&E, ha- they serve 5.4 million electric customer accounts. It's a but different like, number for gas. Because but like in that's some a areas, household right, or a business. Right. And they serve 16 million people. So when they were talking about their the how they wanted to change the power shutoffs, they were saying any of our – 5 million electric customers could be affected. And I think some people thought that that was a, a subset of the 16 million people they serve, but it's not. It's That's all of their electric customer accounts. That's anybody. And, so, and they ended up admitting in a regulatory filing later that, yeah, it's possible if they have to shut down multiple transmission lines in the East Bay for fire danger that San Francisco could lose power as a result. So I did a whole story on that because that's, uh, you know, where we are based, obviously. And I felt like it was a telling illustration of, you know, just how dramatically they've expanded that program and how people who don't live in these fire-affected areas um, could be very impacted um, in the future by the steps that PG&E is taking to try to prevent more disasters like this, uh, like what we've experienced in recent years. And it remains to be seen how that will 
really play out because, um, you know, we don't know exactly what the weather holds in store mm-hmm. for Northern California this summer and fall. Um, but by September, October, you know, it, it will be very uh, dry. It won't have rain for a long time. It'll be warm. And we do often get these high wind events. And last summer, even when they had a, a more limited program, mm-hmm. they shut down the power once. They said it, it's going to be more than that this time because more power lines are affected and they're more uh, – they're being more conservative, I think, um, in their approach to that. Um, conservative in you know, mitigate, you know, wanting to mitigate the wildfire risk or maybe liberal is the right – I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Yeah, how to describe that, but more aggressive. Active, yeah, 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 with the shutdown. So I mean, we are technically in wildfire season already, at least in parts of the state. Butte County put out a a release while it was raining, which struck people as a little odd that yeah, uh, wildfire season had started there. But the rain, you know, the rain actually could make the wildfire season worse, uh, as your sources have told you, because yeah. that could uh, cause more vegetation to grow. Then the vegetation dries out and basically becomes more fuel exactly. for the fires. Yes. Yeah. How are you thinking about the coming wildfire season and what it might mean for PG&E? Oh, gosh. Trying not to think about it sometimes. I mean, <laughs> it's a stressful, um, very stressful pros- very stressful prospect. I, th- I think all of us in this part of the state, statewide, don't want to see any more of a- another campfire. For sure, no one wants that. I mean... I mean, PG&E's uh, new CEO has said as much, right? Exactly. I mean, and, and of course. Um, so I just and judge, I don't know. And uh, Judge Alsup, who's overseeing their probation, has said, like, he really does not want to see another wildfire caused by PG&E equipment. Yeah. But the danger is, is high. I mean, every year, just the natural cycles in California, it rains from like October, mid-October, I think at the earliest until, um, you know, March or April and the, or May as we're seeing now. Um, but then eventually it stops. And if it's rained a lot, like we, we've just seen, as you said, that means that a lot of underbrush vegetation can sprout up and by, and then it, won't rain for months and it will get very warm. So all of that vegetation will dry out as it does every year. And you've just had so much grow up so fast. There's no way that we'll be able to get it all, you know, trimmed back in the way that we would all like to see in a perfect world. And that's on top of the fact that there are still a lot, millions of dead and dying trees around California because of the drought that we had. One winter does not change that. Two winters doesn't change that. You need, from the way I understand it at least, like several years of like normal amounts of rainfall in order to really come back from that. And again, you still have all these dead and dying trees that need to be removed. I mean, those need to be taken out um, is the way I understand it. And those are a huge fire risk. That's very, um, that's fuel. Yes. So and PG&E has said that there is simply no way, and their their union agrees. There's just not enough tree trimmers in the state. You could hire everyone you could hire, and not I think have. They said in the country. Yeah. In the country, we could bring everyone over here and not have enough. Yeah, well, not not have enough to do. The the federal judge had been proposing um, a really uh, really aggressive. Um, 
vegetation management program for them. And they were saying that that, you know, what what he wanted them to do originally was not feasible given the labor market for tree trimmers because that's dangerous work. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't just make anyone do it. You have to be trained, I think, in some fashion. And so, yeah, it's not just like you can pull a guy off the street and have them out trimming trees for PG&E around power lines that same day. It's a little bit more specialized than that. So they were saying that that was a problem. Um, But they have scaled up a lot in their tree trimmers, quite a bit from what I understand. So we'll see how effective that is. Uh, I think the whole state is watching. And just to be clear, we're talking about tree trimming and vegetation management because historically, including in 2017 when PG&E was found responsible for a number of fires um, in wine country, trees falling on distribution lines is what has caused um, fires when utilities are found responsible for them. Um, And so cutting those back is really important. Distribution lines, for those of you who don't know, those are the classic kind of wooden power pole and lines that connect directly to your home that you see. They don't have to look like that, but that can be sort of the image in your mind. Transmission lines are the big steel towers, the huge ones. They carry electricity at higher voltages from where it's generated to a substation, which it then connects to a distribution line and gets that power into your home. A transmission line is what started the campfire. um, And that was because of a uh, maintenance issue, it seems, that, um, you know, a piece of that tower broke in high winds and then um, the fire started from there. So PG&E is also trying to inspect their uh, – beef up their equipment inspections from what I understand. And that is um, just as critical for them going forward as tree trimming to make sure that branches and trees aren't falling on distribution lines and causing fires like we've seen in 2017. And that's more more people hired, more training, right. more cost to do that. Yeah. So who ends up paying the bill? I mean there's – uh, the company is already bankrupt. The shareholders have taken a, a massive bath. PG&E is already proposing rate hikes that it links to uh, the cost of wildfires. Do do ratepayers just end up paying more in, in any conceivable scenario? That's hard to say. I think probably, unfortunately, there will be some sort of rate increase at some point. How much, though, remains to be seen like you said, PG&E is already proposing some rate increases, but they've not – that story is not over by any means. It will take a long time to sort out. Um, and I don't think that what they've asked for already is uh, – that there could be more in the future. Um, a lot of this depends on what the legislature does um, because the legislature is looking at things like – creating a new catastrophic wildfire fund to help utilities deal with their liability. So if that gets created, do utilities, investor-owned utilities, like pay into that? And then will their regulators allow them to pass those costs along to customers? Because at the end of the day, the California Public Utilities Commission, which is PG&E's primary regulator, they approve the rates. Um, So they have to – if PG&E wants – they can't just – jack up your rates arbitrarily. They have to get approval 
from the Public Utilities Commission to do that, and the Public Utilities Commission can say no. So you can't say for sure, yes, rates will, are definitely going to go up by this much because of this fire, um, this much because of that fire, in part because we don't know what all the costs are, but also because we don't know what the Public Utilities Commission is going to do. And we don't know how the law is going to be changed in order to address the problem of utilities and their wildfire liabilities. There could be multiple steps that the legislature does. But the money has to come from somewhere. And a lot of what we're seeing play out in bankruptcy court in Sacramento is who's going to pay? Is it taxpayers? Is it rate payers? Do investors see their you know prospect of future dividends or returns slashed further? Um, it all has to come from somewhere. And that's what makes this such a fascinating ongoing business story as well right. as a political story, environmental story, and a, and a human story. Yep. Well, it's a great story to have one of, our, one of our strongest reporters on. Thank you very much, JD, for explaining PG&E's situation and uh, taking this time. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to energy reporter JD Morris, our business editor, Owen Thomas, and to Libby Coleman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.